you are allowed to be both resentful and still make good decisions for yourself. You don't necessarily have to like not be angry for this to be right. Welcome, you're on air with Ella, where we share simple strategies and tips from people who are doing something better than we are. Whether it's wellness or relationships to just living better and with more energy or changing your mindset to accomplish more in your own life and succeeding however you define it. This is where we share the best of what we're learning from the experts and we're learning more every day. Live better, start now. Hey, you're on air with Ella and today I am joined by Julie Beckerman. Julie, how are you? I'm good, Ella. How are you? I am great. Where are you today? I'm home in New York. In New York. Julie, will you tell everybody who you are and what you do? Yes, I am Julie and I work with co-parents. You know, I went through my own divorce. It was very, very traumatic. It was, I was in the same house with my ex. I went through the court system. And as a result, you know, I started working with people who were going through similar things. And what I did was ended up using a lot of my background and I pulled like a jigsaw puzzle, different pieces from my experience that just really lent itself to being more effective in my life. And so that's kind of how I got into doing this. Okay. So you're a certified coach. Is that right? Yes, correct. But you have experience and training in dialectic behavior therapy and mindfulness techniques. What an interesting background. How, tell me a little bit more about that. So those are actually, um, you know, some of the newer techniques and experiences that I have. But some of the other things even before that was I worked on Wall Street. I worked in HR. I was involved with performance management and goal setting and focusing on observational things, right? Which in a divorce process, we want to stay out of the emotions and focus on the, the action. So I had kind of that training as well. And working in HR for many years, I had policy training, which really helped me understand how to interpret some of the laws. Then I went through some of my own personal issues and struggles and learned a lot of skills about CBT, which is cognitive behavior therapy and DBT, which is dialectic behavior therapy. And the reason that those things are so helpful in this situation is because they're sort of the antidote actions to the things that are difficult in the relationship. Well, what I love about your story, Julie, is that two things. One is you turned your mess into your message. You know, that's a trope at this point, but truly you took probably one of the hardest periods in your life and then converted it into how you create value in this world. So I think that that is utterly amazing. But the other thing that I think you are a living testimony to is I talk a lot about how someone is always going to be better than you at something or probably literally at everything. But what's unique about each of us is that we each have this unique stack of skills and you have such a unique stack of skills that created this space for you, this niche that you specialize in. I think that's such a good example for others. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was like, it was an aha moment every step of the way. And I gained something from every experience and every part of my background that really culminated very, like you said, into a testament of what works in these kinds of situations. Well, I had a listener reach out and say, can you talk? She's going through a divorce after many years of marriage. They have two kids. And she said, can you talk about how to manage through that process? And so I reached out to you and I know that you specialize in high conflict co-parenting in dealing with circumstances just like that. I want to get that on the table, but also 
I dare say that most of what we'll talk about today, even though we can use examples from co-parenting after divorce and that sort of thing, that probably most of the principles you and I talk about today, I should think, Julie, would apply to any high conflict communication dynamic. Is that a fair thing to say? Absolutely. The thing that's interesting when you have these toxic relationships is that it's almost like all of your triggers are contained in this one person. So if you actually want to think of it, it's like, thank you. You are going to be a great lesson for me to learn all about these things that right, create conflicts in my life. And then you can take them to every situation because it's not about them. It's about you. Yeah, I think that's so important because you don't have to have a divorce to have a high conflict communication style with somebody in your life. Does anyone have a mother? Yeah, I was like, right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm half kidding. So I do want to also draw from examples when we are specifically talking about co-parenting after divorce. So I think everyone can sort of stick along with us and really think about some of the more challenging relationships in their life. Again, whether it's professional, whether it's personal, I think there will probably be something here for everyone. But let's talk a little bit about your situation. You said some things and I just need some clarity here. Did you say, so you're a mother. I'm a mother. And how old was your daughter when you two got divorced? We, when we started our divorce, she was six. When we finalized, she was almost nine. Okay. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's a brutal three years. Yeah. It was painful, painful. But you had to go through the court system, which I know just from, not from firsthand experience, but definitely from personal experience and folks in my immediate circle, I know that that is particularly, particularly brutal. But you also said that you were living in the same house with your ex. Tell us a little bit about that period of your life, Julie. So I had the lucky draw of having both a legal experience at the same time of go of living with my ex through it. We signed the divorce papers, he filed for a post-judgment, which kept me from leaving the house. The details become almost like you, you, you're just I'm sure. after a while. <laughs> and anyone who's been through it, you know, it's like, you know, you need like a flow chart and a PowerPoint to kind of explain all those like crazy things that go on. Um, it was, I would say it was um, survival mode for sure. And sitting back and learning and taking in information. And I didn't even know I was necessarily doing that at the time, but that's what it ended up being. Well, the thing about divorce, and I shared recently on the show that I got a divorce in my early 30s, and it is not only obviously rocking your relationship. If you're a parent, it obviously has, you know, many, many more layers of complication. But then you have your in-laws who are family or whether whether that's a good relationship or a bad relationship, they are your family. So you have to sort through that. Mine was a great relationship and we continue to have a relationship to this day. But the point is, it's another added layer. Then you might start a relationship or your ex might start a relationship. Your friend yeah. circle sometimes shifts. I mean, it's everything you know in your life gets sort of remade. Yeah. Like you, you have this, especially the longer you've been together, it's like you're crazy glued. And then especially if you're dealing with through the divorce, when everyone's not in their highest self, let's say it's like pulling it apart and it rips and it's hard and it's jagged and it affects every part of your life at the same time, family, social life, where you live, your kids' education, your job, your finances, you know, your family structures. And especially when it's an emotional time, it's very hard. And this is the thing right where I can really be helpful to focus on the things that have to get done. 
because it's a lot. And how to do that when you have the, these difficult relationships or someone who's also really unhappy and making your life difficult. Julie, where do you even start? So when someone comes to you and they say, this is where I am, where does one even begin? So um, where we begin, first of all, is validation, acknowledging and validating, because when you're going through it, it's like you can talk to people and everyone's got advice and everyone, you know, knows their sister's divorce and you should do this and do this. And when you're going through it, like it's very hard to know what's real and what's just crazy making. And the more toxic your, your co-parent is or your ex is, the more chaotic it seems. So we start with validating what's actually happening. And the thing that's really important about validation, right, is that is the first step in all communication. So when we validate ourselves and others, we are basically communicating to ourselves, I hear you, I understand, you don't have to keep talking. So when you talk about validation and acknowledging what's actually happening, is that for just that individual? Meaning, I think one of the huge issues in this dynamic or in any unhealthy communication dynamic, Julie, is that you can only control you. Like, you cannot control the other party. So are yeah. you referring to the, the self's journey there? I'm referring, I, you have to start with yourself. So you start to learn how to validate your own experience, which then translates to being able to validate other people's experience. And what you can do and what the important piece of validation is that you can validate and acknowledge someone's truth without buying into it. Ooh. And that's why it's so important because your ex has their, their own truth and you don't need to fight with them on it. You just need to, okay, I hear you let's focus on the action. So validation is such an important underrate. You cannot overestimate the value of validation and acknowledgement. And nothing, nothing contributes more to conflict than the feeling that we don't make sense or we are being crazy. And so we want to let the other person know, I hear you. I understand you can settle down. And it works for us as well and our kids in every conflict situation. So you said something really, really important. You said, basically, everyone has their own truth. Don't fight the stories that each of you have. That is a, that's a black hole. That is never ending <laughs> infinity tension. Am I right? A hundred percent. I call them FYIs. Like they're literally just sharing their viewpoint with you. There is nothing you need to do. <laughs> you just have to separate yourself from their truth. That's the skill. And that takes some practice because you've been living with this person and sharing a reality for so many years. Oh, that's so hard. But of course, there's always three sides to any story, right? There's, <laughs> there's, I'm going to say his and hers in this case, there's his version, her version, and the truth. And everyone's experience feels like their truth. So why, why butt heads on your own versions of each yeah. person's reality? Your perspective is your opinion your thought, your feeling, and everybody's entitled to have their own. We don't need to argue your thoughts and feelings. We just need to figure out what we're going to do as a result. And that's really where I help people is understanding that those pieces of language, what's a thought, what's a feeling, what's a judgment, what do I not need to get into? And then you can literally kind of save, you know, 99% of your energy because most of what you're responding to with your ex, you do not need to be involved in or any high conflict relationship. Okay. So what do you counsel when the 
ex is not playing by those rules. So you're playing by those rules and you're like, you know what? He has his version and I have my version and somewhere mm -hmm. in between is the truth, but our experience is our experience. And I'm just going to acknowledge him like a reporter would do. Like FYI, yeah. your FYI example, I yeah. hear you. I hear you. <laughs> I see you. Yeah. <laughs> but when they're not playing by the rules, what does she do? Yeah, so you, you need a process, right? So this is also where my HR experience was really helpful because you have an escalation process and the, the court system has one as well. So what I do is we just kind of create one. So first step is you ask, you try to work it out, right? Then you always need your plan B. If they are not in agreement, how important is this? How far are you willing to take this fight for whatever this goal is that you have? So the other really crucial, crucial skill in terms of dealing with a conflict, high conflict uh, individual is knowing your goal. You need to know why you are in that conversation before you go in there, right? Because otherwise that conversation can go all over the map and you don't even get the thing resolved that you need. So getting very clear and validating what your intentions and goals are. That is really, really key. And when I was preparing for this conversation, something that I wrote from my own experience in high conflict dynamics is, and I always ask myself, what outcome do I want? Yeah. And even in a healthy relationship. So if my husband and I are having a healthy debate about something, I will sometimes have to check in and be like, what is my outcome? Do I wanna be right? Or do I want him to feel like I see him in he's entitled to his own view of the world. And, yeah. and sometimes, Julie, I'm a small, small person and I just want to be right. But most of the time. <laughs> yeah, and, but it's the point that you know that. You're consciously choosing it as opposed to letting it choose you. And that's the cool part. You're exactly right. And yeah. when you when it comes to dealing with an ex-spouse, but a co-parent, asking yourself what outcome do I want at the outset of a conversation, in the middle of a conversation, when the conversation is going nowhere? What's the goal? What's the container? For yes. This? Because this is, this is high conflict. This is somebody you don't want to be spending time with that you don't have to spend time with. So it's really like, what's my win? And when that conversation is not going anywhere and it's like that dog chasing its own tail back and forth, knowing, okay, I took step one, not working, time to move on. And you wanna exit so you're not in that circle. But you don't, you can't know your win if you don't, right? It's like you can't know you got there if you didn't know where you were going in the first place. How do you know you arrived? So you need to identify that win, super important. Julie, what should people do when the destruction of a relationship was not their idea, so to speak? So mm -hmm. they feel like they've been victimized by the other person's decision and they still have to co-parent or even if you, kids aren't involved you still have to deal with the unraveling and the logistics of separating yeah. your marriage and your assets and all the things and what do you do with the resentment that you have when it wasn't your idea i should think that that would be one of the hardest hurdles to get over yes it's so what i talk a lot about and this is where dbt comes in the dialectics you are allowed to be both resentful and still make good decisions for yourself. You don't necessarily have to like not be angry for this to be right or to, it's like you get to be angry, just you have the option of how you or where 
you bring that resentment. And your ex, especially if they're difficult, especially if they're toxic, high conflict, blaming you, coming after you, you don't want to give them anymore. That's not where you process your feelings. Not that you don't have them. You just separate them out. I think that one of the hardest things to do is to put that resentment in its proper place. And I love that you're saying you're allowed to feel it. (laughs) I know that there's so much anger. Resentment's a heavy, heavy word and it poisons the holder more so than the person it's meant for. Um, So I think letting yourself feel that, but still you said this, you can be angry and still take care of yourself. Yeah. It's a dialectic. It's both end, not this or, right? We can have, and, and you know, you can also have resentment and other feelings about it. Like I'm both resentful and part of me understands and part of me is just really sad. And like, you're not one thing. Of course you're mad. Of course you're angry. Of course you are all of those things. This is your whole life getting ripped apart. You are going to feel every array of human emotion that exists. Acknowledge and validate it. It just is. It's okay to be mad and it's okay to mess up. It's all okay. It's just the more aware you are of yourself, the right knowledge is power. So the more aware you are of the more powerfully you can make decisions. There's a lot of desire to blame and sort of by definition, bad mouth. Like if you let it come out of your mouth. So I don't mean anyone intends to bad mouth anyone else, but of course it's a natural consequence when you have all of these feelings pent up. And of course, when you're going through something that's quite visible to others, you know, people will ask you about it. What tips do you have for people when it comes to blame and bad mouthing the other party? And what, what can you do? How can you mitigate that? It's about recognizing that blame is just your perspective. It's just someone's thought or opinion, their judgment, the habit, how we think our thought habits. So the more we work towards recognizing and identifying these dialectics, meaning both end, right? So the idea of two things that seem to be contradictory can exist at the same time, right? So we can want to kill our children and love them. We can literally like not be able to see their faces at the moment, but you still love them. It's not one thing. And if you think of our conflict, our contradictions, so the more open you are to holding all of the things that exist in the world, the less conflict you're going to have because you're making room for it. So dialectics is this idea that it's not one not black and white. It's gray. All right. Let's go back to parenting in a high conflict situation uh, for a moment. Do you have any just straight up do's and don'ts? Because I think people who find themselves in this situation, you know, they didn't plan for this, Julie. They, They don't have a plan. Most people who are going through this are fighting their way through it or wayfaring their way through it. And I just wonder, even though there's a lot of room for gray here, do you have any just straight up do's and don'ts when it comes to co-parenting in the face of divorce? Yes. One, the first one that comes to mind is stop using the word narcissist. It's not helpful. It doesn't mean anything anymore. It is a judgment word, a label, as opposed to observation, which is the goal of how we want to reduce conflict, is stopping with the labels and judgments. So stay away from those words, especially if you're in court. The court system hates those words. They, they do not want to hear that, and there's not much they can do about it anyway. Tell me more about, that's a judgment word, not an observation. Tell me more Mm -hmm. about that. Yeah. So when I say narcissist, right, like what does that conjure up in your mind? When I say this person blames me, 
right? They blamed me for the divorce. That's what happened, right? They, they said, it's your fault about the divorce. That's an observation. The fact that they blamed you and calling them a narcissist because they blamed you is jumping to the label. You're skipping the observation. Okay. So instead of subjective judgment language, rely on factual observation. Yes. And that okay. is so much easier said than done. Our brains are a muscle and our muscle memory is designed to use the words that we know. And so one of the things is like this process is going to slow you down and have you take like, you need to learn a new language around this, especially if your ex is really, really difficult. Gonna want to start to learn this new language. Okay. Hit me with some more do's and don'ts. Mm, all right. So stay out of conflicts that have to do with parenting values right? So do not argue over food unless your child has, is diabetic or has an allergy. If your ex wants to feed them McDonald's and sugar, or they want to keep them on a very strict regimen, stay out of it. You know, you can voice your concern. Other things like that, bedtimes, chores, you know, the way the households run, no one, there's nothing, you, you have no resources to control how that is managed. So unless it, you can voice your opinion and then stay out of it, there's no, there's no avenue for you to enforce those things. There are a lot of layers here because you either have control. To me, this is a sliding scale. You have control or you have influence or you have neither and you have to mm -hmm. accept and adapt. A lot of people, Julie, in my experience, they use the, but this is what's best for my children card as a reason to engage in conflict. I know that sounds really, really harsh, but it's more about control than it is about yeah. the actual thing. And when you're engaging in conflict, it feels like you're doing something. You're being productive. You're trying for your kids, you know? And the thing is your parent, your co-parent has the same rights legally in the system as you do that. But a grandparent, right, you get that choice. If you don't like what they're doing, you don't have to send your kid there. And that's a choice that you make. And that, right, that goes to then clarity on your own goals. And what's more important is that relationship with the grandparents more important than the sugar. And then that's where things get a little more complicated. So one of the things that's really, I don't know, some, it's simple. It keeps it simple. When your ex is high conflict, really, really difficult. Like it becomes almost more clear. Like you're just not going to fight about that because you know it's not worth it. Whereas if it's your parents, you decide, right? There's more, it's more gray. So into some, into some, there are more kind of, the rules become more clear with a difficult person. That makes sense because then you're forced to choose your battles. Otherwise, literally everything's a battle. So let's talk about that ex-spouse dynamic, ex-spouse co-parent. And the thing about divorce is when you have kids, it's like a death, but you keep tripping over the body. Like that's the old <laughs> adage, because when you're co-parenting, yeah. you are never truly separated from that person because there's a co in front of the parenting. So if you are choosing to remain co-parents, that person is in your life for the rest of time. And people say, Julie, till the child is 18, I'd, I don't know anyone who never spoke to their co-parent again after, after the child. That. And not for nothing, but that, that when people say like, I, I just wait until my kid's 18 and then I don't have to deal with this. Like, no freaking way. It's your kid's childhood and no one gets to steal that. You cannot wish your child, your kid's childhood away because someone's difficult. And that's the power. Like, no, this is your life. And you, no one's going to take your time, your energy, ruin your relation. No way. 
Yeah. And that biting, biting your time till they're 18 is a waste of your time and energy in your life, of course. And then also it's just not true. It's not over when your child is 18. And it doesn't. (laughs) And right. And the impact on your, it's not over for your kid. Certainly. I want to go back to something that you said. I really think that you've highlighted something super, super important here. And that is a lot of times co-parent, one parent or the other, wants to exert their influence where they truly have to actually shift into accept and adapt. And it sounds to me like the sweet spot is really understanding your values, your priorities, and what is a must control, must influence versus I need to accept and adapt here. And I think the more you can pull your emotions out of it and take your ego, your very damaged, hurt, sensitive ego out of it, the more clarity you might have in that decision-making process. Absolutely. You just, Look, your emotions are going to be there, right? Like this is, you don't get to go through something like this and, oh, it's fine, whatever. <laughs> like that just, so you don't want to wing it. You need to know, plan, think about what you want to say, think about what's going to be important to you, work through it, it, you know, so you're not winging it and you have your process when all those emotions are making you like, right? You want to have something to rely on and you don't want to be winging it in those moments because how are you going to figure it out? It's brand new, never seen it before, right? So it's, yeah, I think the emotion piece is a lot about the acceptance and the action is about habit and practice and the not sexy stuff. Let's talk about more do's and don'ts. I want to put one on the table. Tell me what you think about it. I think an absolute don't, and I don't speak in do's and don'ts very often because I think there's so much room for gray, but I think an absolute don't is do not bad mouth your ex-partner because you are bad mouthing that child's parent. Absolutely. And don't bad mouth any, like who wants to be a person who bad mouths people? Like, is that the kind of example you want to set for your kid? And I just want to, and that's a really, really big one. I, I probably work with that with clients 80% of the time as their, their co-parent is bad mouthing them or they feel their, their co-parents bad mouthing them to their kids. And they're always, you know, it's natural to take the opposite side. Well, that's not the truth. And you want to battle it. What really is the message you want to give your kid? And that's, we don't bad mouth people. Everyone has their own view. I don't know why your dad sees it like that. Do you have any questions for me? Like, you don't need to jump in the box. And so the more you're standing in your values as a person who doesn't badmouth, the more you are setting that environment and space and kindness and peacefulness for your child. They're going to be with their dad who's badmouthing and with you who's kind of more accepting and open. Where would you rather be? What do you suggest or how do you help people when one parent is truly being like really bad behavior, really bad behavior? So one parent is, and I have seen this unfortunately too many times, one parent isn't having a good time, but is trying to do the right thing and remain objective with, with the kids, et cetera. And the other parent is just on the path to destruction and they'll claim they're putting the kids needs first, but that, that ain't happening. And what do you, where does one even begin in that scenario? You know, again, that, that goes, so the validation, right? Cause you have to get very strong in yourself when you have someone constantly trying to knock you over, which is what that they're doing, right? They're, you say up, they say down, you say, let's do that. And they're going to twist and there's all sorts of manipulation tactics and things. And 
you know, the more strong you are in yourself, right? And I, I use the metaphor of like a flagpole, sticking it in cement, right? And the storm can come, but you're, you're there. You know where you are, whatever the storm is. If it's a sunny day, it's a windy day, right? So wherever your ex brings, you, you're staying solid. And that's the, that's the power you have, right? What, what's what we talk about? You can't control them. You can only control you. So you want to get that control over yourself. That's where you start. Do you genuinely believe when it comes to um, co-parenting or even just being the ex-son-in-law or the ex-daughter-in-law, you know, whatever, whatever the dynamic is, do you sort of generally believe that if you stand strong, if you stand strong in who you are, that sort of the truth will eventually be revealed? And I know that sounds a little esoteric, but here's what I mean. I know so many people who they're being painted one way, even with a small group of people. Sometimes that small group of people is the kids. Sometimes that small group of people is the ex-partner's family. Sometimes it's people at work or the friend group. But yeah, if they're sure. being painted a certain way, I think if you care about that, you're going to go insane. That's my personal take, but it's a lot easier to say than it is to do. Yeah, it's hard not to care, right? And I think, again, there's a little bit of acceptance that you cannot make everybody like you. You can't make everyone see you the way you want them to. Like, that's just nobody, it, it, whatever the situation is. And then at the same time, be who you are in such a way that someone's saying these things about you... No, it's hard to believe, right? You want to stand in your authenticity. So when your ex is saying that you are this, you know, whatever, that, like not the person I know, right? And now some people are going to buy in, so be it, right? And, but then you find your people. So I would say care, but dialectic it. Like don't only care. There's other aspects to look at. With one exception, Julie, and that is when we're talking about your own children. Yeah, I mean, I, there's levels of like parental alienation where, you know, the child's getting this story from one parent and they don't even see the other parent, so they have no interaction. When we're, but when we're talking about, again, painting you at, in a bad way is bad mouthing, right? It's sharing information. And so, how are you hearing about that? That's what you want to address. You don't need to address your ex. You want to address where it's showing up. If your kid comes to you and like, dad said this about you and you know, like they're coming to you, like they want to understand and they're not, you want to actually just talk to your kid and that takes some mindfulness and practice as well, right? Yeah. And I don't know if it's overly optimistic, but I have this tendency to believe that if you remain true to who you are and remain steadfast in your values and remain steadfast in love when it comes to your children, even if they're being alienated from you, you are who you are. And if there's any opening in their hearts or their minds, they will see you. It just might take some time. Yeah. Um, I mean, I have an example, right? It's like, so uh, I had a client who she was, her son was like pulling away from her her, the father was bad mouthing um, her to end, you know, he, the son would come and say things that the father had said, and she was like losing it, right? That's not, and we kind of reframed it. Like your son is just, is coming to you. He's not your ex's mouthpiece. You just want to practice the mindset that you're talking to your kids. You're not talking through your kids to your and that raises another fine line with a, this is a slightly different angle, Julie, but there's a pretty big difference when it comes to parenting between honesty and 
TMI, too much information. <laughs> and I have also seen, I have to be honest with you, some parents who really sort of almost start um, emotionally relying on their child, especially when their child's above a certain age, to fill some sort of emotional gap left in the vacuum that is created upon a breakup. And I'm sure you must see that time and time again. I mean, even if they are your adult children, they are your ex-partner's child. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think that happens in intact families as well, right? Where like issue with that is I think a lot of times it's not that the issue is that people aren't aware that they're doing it. If they knew they were leaning on their child emotionally, it's but they're just doing what they do. So you want to work with someone. You need that outlet to help you become more aware so you can see your, you can see the lens you're looking through. Okay, so going on the don't list is going to be don't treat your child, no matter what their age, as your peer, your counselor, your emotional crutch. Is there anything else that you would put on kind of the do or don't list, Julie? Yeah, don't badmouth anyone on your ex's side. Don't badmouth a new partner. Your job as a parent is to make it okay for your child. Whatever your ex does, you're going to make it as okay as possible. So you want them to feel comfortable and safe and good in that home. Even if there may be some things that you think are a little risky, you're going to help them through that. You're not going to badmouth and say it's bad, right? If you imagine you're now telling your child, you are the one of two voices of reason in your child's life, and you're saying something is dangerous and scary over there, and now you're sending them there, like, what are you doing to them? Your job is to make it okay, not to get them on your side. God bless parents, Julie, because first of all, being a parent is putting another human being's needs in front of your own. When it comes to managing co-parenting after divorce, I think, think it is the answer to almost everything. And what I mean by that is not using your kids as an excuse to engage in conflict. That's not what I mean. But truly, when it comes to your ex-partner, finding a new partner is such a good example of this. Just being like, you know what? The more people that love my kid, the more robust and rich life my kid's going to have. And that is an act of generosity and discipline that I just think God bless you if you can get there because that is not easy. Yeah. It, and it's, you know, and it's doable and it's every time you can catch it and switch. We're not looking for perfection, but every time you can do that is a gift to your child. Every time you can shift that thought and create a different experience is, is a gift. And you're, it's not easy. It's not easy. So just kind of to go back to that, right? Again, this is an emotional process. We are not trying to deny or prevent the emotions. However, emotions, when we are flooded with emotions, we are not coming from our highest self. So the importance is you need to plan and think through how you're going to execute your actions because that roller coaster of emotions is coming. So the more clear you are on your path, the less the emotions and stuff is going to take you for the ride. You're not going to not feel them, but they're not going to necessarily dictate your direction. Julie, you have a really incredible offer for the first five people to reply, and that is a free 30-minute intro session to write or respond to their ex together. Can you explain this? <laughs> this is like one of my most favorite things to do. It's actually, it's fun. So for anyone who, who literally feels sick to their stomach when they're looking at messages from their ex and they're like, oh. We go through this process and basically shrink down your message to the bare minimum and say it in a way that feels really authentic and really powerful. 
So what I will do is you book time, 30 minutes with me, you'll send me a, a, a couple of messages and we'll work through and then we'll respond to them together and literally hit send by the end of the 30, 30 minutes. It's really fun. <laughs> oh my gosh. And if they don't want to send it, do they have to, or is it the process? No, that's no, value? no. The pro- <laughs> you know, it works just to give like the result and to see how it actually feels in real time. I mean, no, with coaching, everything is really geared towards you and what works for you. My job is to help pull that out and find it and then frame it up in a nice way. Okay. We are taking five people get this offer. That's a really generous offering, Julie. Thank you so much. So I'll put all of the details in the show notes, as you know, I always do. And those are at onairella.com. Julie, thank you so much for your expertise and for your wisdom. And I know we're just scratching the surface here of a very, very deep conversation, but I really appreciate you getting us started. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed today's show and got something out of it that you can use. If you did and you want to learn more, find me on Instagram at onairwithella or open the show notes for this episode and get all the links at onairella.com. There's no with, it's just onairella.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you for sharing the show. And thanks for inspiring me. You are quite simply awesome.